Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. the privilege and honor of bringing a word this morning and uh, if you don't know who I am my name is Tyler Uh, my wife uh, is Jordan we are the operations pastors here at my city church and we absolutely love it we love this house how many guys thankful for my city come on come on we love this house and we actually helped plant this house and start it six years ago and it has been one of the greatest joys of our life and will continue to be one of the greatest joys of our life we love this house and uh, yeah, a little bit more about us. We've been married for about six years, and uh, over six years, almost six and a half now. We've got a little 10-month-old. His name is Zealous Andrew Kirkle, and he is a legend, a world changer. He's crazy like his mom, but he's the best. And uh, we've got baby number two on the way right now, which is exciting. And we actually find out the gender this week, so we're really, we're really excited for that. So we're building our own little family. And it's been a blast, and I've enjoyed almost every moment of it. Sometimes the kid is just nuts. And I'm like, bro, you got to chill. And I'm also like, yeah, but that's my kid, so it makes sense. You know, like, he's emulating me. And, uh, and so it's been a blast so far, and we believe that the best is yet to come for the Kirkwell household. The best is yet to come for this household. And uh, so that's a little about us. But, man, we're, I'm excited to, to open up a new series called Real Friends. And we're going to be diving into this as a house for the next four, four weeks, and we're going to be taking a deep dive in what it looks like to have real friendships in the Bible. What does having a real friend versus a fake friend actually look like? How many of you know you need some real friends out there? Come on. So we're going to take a deep dive as a house over the next four weeks, and I'm expectant, uh, but I'm, like I said, I'm honored to kick us off this morning. And so it's going to be great. If you're taking notes today, uh, write down the, the title of this message is When Purpose Runs Together. When purpose runs together, less on the aspect of of how to live in your purpose, but more when two Christians, a man of God or a woman of God, when we run together because we're full of purpose, I believe there's power behind that. So we're going to take a look at that today. But before we go any further, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for every person in this room, Lord, every person listening to this word, and every person who's made themselves available for you to move through us. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice that has allowed us to know you deeper. Lord, I thank you that no matter what we did this week or last night, Lord, that your mercy is new every morning. And so we receive that this morning in that light of knowing that you've redeemed us and that you want to know us deeper and we have access to know you deeper. We ask that you would speak to us this morning. Speak to us. Holy Spirit, we are listening. Challenge us. Guide us. Show us what we need to hear, Lord, because we just desperately want some more of you. Lord, we love you so much. And the 11 a.m. said, amen. Amen. Come on. Well, hey, Real Friends is going to be a fun series. I'm really, I think I've said I'm really excited at least 12 times, but hey, 13th, I'm really excited for it. And, uh, you know, I've sat in a lot of church services before where we talk about relationships, and the pastor gets up there and he speaks for 20 minutes or so on relationships, and then what he does immediately after is he tries to get me to join a small group, or he tries to get me to join a team, or, or he wants me to do something, which, by the way, like, it's actually pretty good advice. Like, I've found some of the greatest joy in my life has come from the friendships that I've made from joining a team. Some of the greatest breakthrough I've found has been in my group. And so it's actually great advice. You should probably listen to it. I have, I have no problem with a pastor preaching about relationships, saying you need to get in relationship, join a team, join a group. I think that's great. 
But that's not what today is. Today's message is for anybody with breath in their lungs. Because what I believe is that if you are still here, that God's got more for you. I believe whether you're 20, 30, 80, I don't care how old you are. I believe God has more for you. And not just little things, but big things. When Moses was 80, that's when he had got, met God at the burning bush. That's when he was called. It was the very beginning of his life. And so I believe no matter where you're at, God has amazing things for you. And what I want to dive into today as we, as we look at relationships is I believe God has designed us in the context of community and relationships. In each one of us, we want to achieve these things. We want to live for God. But I think we also need to start knowing that God has a design for our life. And I think it includes other people more than what we give it credit for. And so we're going to dive in today. And, uh, and so uh, have any of you guys, by show of hands, ever heard of life like referred to as a race before? Yeah, like run your race. Man, run your race. I want to finish strong. I want to run my race till the end. Stay in your lane and run your race. Man, I've heard this all the time, and, and I've always had a hard time identifying with it simply because I've always had a hard time identifying with the fact that anybody would want to run voluntarily in general. Like, I just, it's always like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Like, my mom uh, is really into running. I have friends who are runners, and I've always said, like, why would you, like, run when you can, like, sit, walk, you know, like, drive if you really have to. Like, I just don't, you know, it's just not for me. I don't, I don't understand it, but nevertheless, run your race. I actually really like the wording of that. I like it because what I know is this house and what I know is Christians are not supposed to be passive, but we're called to be active. We're called to take ground. And it's less about the finish line because the finish line is heaven, but it's more about the fact that I'm not gonna wait on God, but I wanna spend my life chasing down the things of God, running after the call of God on my life, going towards it. That's what we're called to live as Christians. I love, I love run your race. And I remember when, uh, when Jordan and I had first started dating, we had just spent like four months just building a great godly friendship. We both had expressed we wanted it to be more, uh, but we weren't going to bypass God in that, right? We wanted, if we were going to make this thing official and start actually being a couple, we wanted God's blessing on it. And so we spent months like praying over it, and we would read our Bibles together. And, and at some point, we had really felt like there was a peace on it um, in that God was giving us our blessing. And so we were like, let's go. We ran it through some mentors, some leaders, and they were like, we think it's a good idea too. And so we made it official. But how many of you know that just because it was official didn't mean that I didn't still feel the need to impress her? Okay, because like Jordan's out of my league in just about every way, okay? So I, I meet her and like she's this like D1 gymnast. She could have gone anywhere for free for college. And like she's just like this athlete, amazing. She's like in love with Jesus. She's like, older, you know, and when you're 19, like, just older women, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like older women, Wendy Peppercorn, you know, Sandlot, anyone? I was, like, pumped, and I was, like, this girl is amazing, and me, I'm, like, I'm still fighting to get out of the I want to be a rapper stage. Like, I was wearing, like, wife beaters, big fake chains from Rue 21 for $5, like, joggers, like, hey, no shame in that game, okay? But I said this last service, and then Dylan went back on my Facebook. I thought I deleted everything I didn't, and found this photo, so this is, like, the day in the life of, of your boy, you know? Hey, laugh all you want, but that guy will drop some bars immediately, okay? Like, dude's awesome. And so I'm, like, having a hard time understanding why she would actually want to be with me. And so we were dating, and it was official, but I still needed to impress her. So she calls me one morning. She says, hey, I just, I really want to go on a run and spend some time with you. Do you want to go on a run with me? Now, I just shared with you guys my thoughts and feelings on running. So naturally, my response was, oh my gosh, what a great idea. 
I was just going to go on a run. That's crazy. No, we should definitely do this together. You know, what are you thinking? Like, just quick little, like, jog around the block. And she's like, yeah, you know, I've got, like, this small kind of, it's like a three-mile path behind my, by my apartment. I figured we could run that. And I'm like, three miles? My, no, that's, that's great. You know, I was going to run six. And so that's great. You know, this will just be, like, an easy kind of an off day. That's awesome. We'll, we'll go do this, this run together. Let's go. And I, like, hang up the phone. I'm like, what did I just get myself into? So I'm, like, frantically, like, digging through joggers, trying to find shorts in my, like, dresser and, like, trying to find some tennis shoes I can run in. But I found what I needed, and I showed up, and we began running, okay? Now, this is a three-mile walk or run, but for me, like, I got to impress her. She obviously didn't choose me because I'm a man of God. She chose me because of my physique and my athletic ability. So I got a reputation to keep up here. And so it's a three-mile run, and I just start dead sprinting. And she, I remember she yells up to me. This is a real story. You can ask her. This is 100% true. She yells up to me. She goes, Tyler, you got to pace yourself. I look back at her so smooth, and I said, girl, this is my pace. Keep up. <laughs> so I'm just like booking it, okay? I get about a half mile down the road, and uh, I get behind a tree so she can't see me, and I just begin dry heaving and like calling down heaven like, Lord, you need to save my lungs. I can't do this. I'm cramping everywhere. And I ended up having to wait for her to catch up to me. She had to stop her run because we walked the rest of the way and she had to take care of me. And so running your race, you know, that's a tough one for me, you know. But here's what happened. So she wanted to run because she just wanted to spend time with me. Like she was like, I want to run and I want to run this thing together. Me, I had selfish ambition. I wanted to run for my own personal gain. And so although we started together, before I knew it, I was exhausted. I was alone. And I was settling for less than what I ever started out for. How many of you can identify that within your life before? Where you, you're passionate about the things of God. So you begin to run your race and you take off. And you might have even started with other people. But before you know it, you look at your life and you're exhausted. You feel alone. You might have acquaintances, but you still feel lonely. And you're settling for less than what God ever asked you to do. And here's what I know. I want to submit a thought to you today that might blow your mind a little bit, but maybe the reason you end up exhausted every few months, maybe the reason you're never able to fully run in those God dreams, that God vision, isn't because you don't care enough. It's not because you're not trying hard enough. It's not because you have the wrong technique. It's simply because you're running alone. Write this down today, that your ability to run in your God-given calling is connected to who you run with. Your ability to run in your God-given calling is directly connected to who you run your race with or if you even run with anybody at all. See, because when I look at the world, I see 8 billion different people running 8 billion different races. And whether or not we ever want to admit it, all of us at some point end up exhausted, alone, and questioning why we ever started in the first place. Exhausted, alone, and settling for less than what we set out to do. But maybe it's not because you're doing everything wrong, but maybe it's because God has a design for your life. God has an awesome race for you to run. God has these great, mighty, big, powerful things for your life. But if you are out of design, then you're always going to feel out of place, exhausted, and alone. But if we can understand God's design for our life, God's design for our race, I believe we can begin to take ground in a powerful way. And I believe that we can run our race with excellence and begin to reach out for the things that God has called us to. See, the key to your race is relationships. This isn't like best practices. Like, this is something that you should maybe consider. This isn't, this isn't a suggestion. 
This, the key to your life, the key to your race is relationships. It's the way it is. I love the way uh, Ecclesiastes talks about this. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, two people are better than one because they can reap more, somebody say more, more benefit from their labor. For if they fall, one will help his companion up. But pity the person who falls down and has no Jordan to help him up. So glad Jordy was there to help me up that day. Two people are better than one because they can reap more benefit from their labor. Did you know that if I can lift 100 pounds and you can lift 100 pounds and we go to lift together, logic would say like, oh, we can lift 200 pounds. 100, 100, 200. But did you know if you can lift 100 and I can lift 100 and we go to lift together, we can actually lift more than 200 pounds? Because in God's very design of humanity, in your very makeup, God is communicating that when purpose runs together, there is multiplication. When you run together with somebody, you can go further faster. You can carry more. That in your very design and makeup, God is saying, I want to multiply things. I don't want you to feel stagnant. I don't want you to feel stuck. I don't want you to feel like you're always just adding a little bit at a time. And understand the breakthrough you might be waiting for in your life is not that you need to try harder or believe for more or fast harder or pray harder. You simply need to partner with somebody and run your race with someone so that God can multiply your efforts. When you run together, you get multiplication. Run your race. Man, the key to your, your race is relationships. And I love the way that Paul begins to talk about this because he doesn't really necessarily talk about it as a race. He really talks about it as we're all different body parts, a part of the same body. So this is 1 Corinthians 12, 12, and a little bit of background. Paul's talking to the church of Corinth, okay? Now, all of these guys, they don't really share, they don't have shared experiences. They're not just like, they all click. But we have many different audiences represented here. We have Jews who grew up knowing the law, knowing the Torah. We have, we have Gentiles who never even had access to that. We have slaves, we have free people, we have different cultures, ethnicities, we have so many different people represented, but all of them are coming together because they've all been met and saved by Jesus Christ. It's the great unifying factor. So they're coming together, and what Paul does is he's writing and saying, hey, you're all a part of this new creation, all a part of this new life, and it feels choppy and weird because we have all these different relationships, but let me not start off by telling you what you need to do, but let me show you God's design for this. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. For if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says that I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? Or if the whole body were just an eye, how would you hear? The whole body was just an ear. How would you smell anything? But our bodies have many different parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. 
This makes for a harmony amongst the members so that all members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you is a part of it. I love this scripture. Each one of you is a part, but connected to one body. And there's some people in here today where you're a hand, okay? And you've been trying to grab onto the things that God has for you. You've been trying to grab onto the God calling. You can sometimes get them as they pass by you. But there's things God has for you to reach out to, but you can't ever reach out because you're just a hand and you don't have an arm to connect to. There's people in here where you're a foot, and you've been trying to take ground in your marriage. You've been trying to take ground in the workplace, trying to take ground in the things of God. But because you're just a foot, you're sitting there running in place because you're not connected to a leg. Understand that God's design is not just you running your race by yourself. And my fear is that we have two billion Christians on this planet. And because we all fit in this Christian umbrella, we just assume that we're running it together. But the reality is I see two billion Christians running two billion different races. Two billion body parts separated from the body going, why am I tired? I can't seem to grab onto the things of God. Why am I tired? I can't seem to take ground. And the way God is putting this to you is look at the design. You have a, a part to play, yes, but you can't even operate in what you want to until you're connected to the body. If you are out of God's design and out of God's alignment, you'll never be able to take hold of what God has for you. But the good news is that the key to your race is relationships. To your left and to your right, there are so many people that you can begin to build relationship with, but it starts by knowing the design. So what do we do with this? If we know this is God's design, we know I'm supposed to have relationships, but I'm at where I'm at right now. Where do we go? Well, I believe there's three relationships that every person needs to have. Three relationships. There's many more that you probably need. God will evolve them, but there's three that every person needs. And what I want you to do as you listen, as you take notes, as you hear what I believe God has spoken to me, I want you to ask yourself the question, do I have this person in my world? And if not, this week, take action on it. Because I believe that there is scriptural basis for needing every single one of these friends. You guys ready? Come on. Hey, when purpose runs together, we get a workout partner. Simply put, we get a workout partner. I love that. You ever had a workout partner before? And when purpose runs together, you get somebody to run with. You know what's cool about a running partner or a working partner uh, or work, workout partner relationship in your life? The friendship isn't built on shared experiences. It's not built because we have like the same personality. We like finish each other's sentences. Like, it's not built because you look the same, act the same, sin the same, pray the same, believe the same. It's built because you're both going somewhere. It's built because you're both running a race and you understand that when purpose run to, runs together, there's multiplication. So rather than me doing this by myself, you're on a mission and I'm on a mission. We might disagree about things. We might be exact opposites, but I want to stick to my race and I want some multiplication. So do you want to just run this thing together? Man, you need a workout partner in your life. If you've been sitting there exhausted, wondering why you can't ever get to the thing, who is running with you on your day-to-day -day basis? Who is with you? through the thick and through the thin? Who's with you even when you stop going to my city? Even when you're not operating in the things of God? It's not based on a shared experience, but it's until we reach the finish line, which is heaven, I am with you and I am for you. Who's that relationship? See, a workout partner brings two things. 
accountability and transparency. Now, accountability, I feel like it's looked down upon because people just assume I need accountability to quit my sin. And so if I'm not sinning or I'm feeling like I have it all under control, which is the lie of the enemy, then we go, I don't really need accountability. I'm doing pretty good. But I don't just need somebody to hold me to make sure I don't sin. I need some accountability in my life to make sure I'm living for the call of God on my life. I need somebody to know my dreams, to know what God has spoken to me, so that in five years down the road, if I'm going off the path or I'm not living in the things that I believe God has asked me to, they can say, hey, man, I remember when you believed for this. I remember when you believed God was going to do this through you, and I don't see you living that. So you need an accountability partner, not to just make sure you don't sin, but somebody to believe for the things of God for you as well as for them and to hold you to it. I love accountability. When Pastor Danny and I were in high school, we started working out together at Planet Fitness because that's where you go if you want to get jacked. And so we're showing up, we're waking up every morning at 5 a.m. And we're going to the gym. And how many of you know that 5 a.m. alarm is a lot less friendly like once the hype wears off? And so I missed a day. Five alarm or 5 a.m. alarm went off. I hit snooze. I missed a day. Pastor Danny calls me later. He doesn't tell me, bro, I thought you were about this. He doesn't say, dude, you left me hanging, which I did. You know what he says to me? He goes, hey, man, I know you really care about this. How can I help get you there tomorrow? Can I pick you up? I was like, you know what? Actually, if you showed up to my house to pick me up, I would definitely make sure I woke up because I would feel bad <laughs> if, if I didn't wake up for that. So actually, yeah. What accountability looks like and why you need a workout partner is you don't just need somebody to constantly tell you how you're failing. But you need somebody who goes, I know what you're believing for. I know what God has spoken over you, and I care about it too. So how can I help get underneath that? And when you get off path, how can I help carry you back? How can I be the person where when you fall, I help you get back up? For pity the one who has no one to help them back up. How can I help? Man, you need some accountability. But you also get transparency with a workout partner. Think about it. Transparency means that I can see right through it. If I'm running, if Jordan and I are running together... And I'm running. The reality is, I got proximity. I'm close to her. So she can see the food in my teeth. She can see my bad running form. She can see my habits on how when I'm really stressed, I stop showing up less. She can see when I get discouraged and want to quit. See, with proximity means that they can see your flaws. What you need in your world is somebody that you are consciously inviting to look at your flaws. I think most of us are trying to work on getting better when somebody has to come to us and tell us when our life is falling apart. But how much more powerful is it that before my life ever falls apart, I look at someone and say, I'm going to invite you in to be close enough to me that you can see my dirty laundry. You can see my flaws. You can see my failures. And before I have to get six miles off course, you can say, hey, man, I'm noticing a pattern of this. And I know that's not what you're believing for. You got this. Get back up. We can do this together. Transparency leads to freedom. James actually says, he says, confess your sins to one another. Not that you'll be saved, that's what Jesus is for, but that you'll be healed. Transparency leads to freedom, but it starts with you gotta have a running partner. You gotta have somebody that you're running with that's holding you accountable to the things of God that you're believing for. The big things, saying, no, I know there's more in you than what you're showing right now. Somebody that's gonna encourage you, that's gonna keep you on path. and Somebody that knows your stuff and knows what's going on. That's the first relationship. Do you have that? Let me encourage you. You got people on your left and on your right that may not look like you, sound like you, have shared experiences with you, but they're running a race too. 
And what we need to do as Christians is not just assume we're running together, but say, you know what? I want some multiplication. I'm believing for big things, not only for me, but for you. So let's run together, partner together, and let's watch God do a mighty thing throughout our whole entire life. I'm not trying to get to my deathbed and just have my family be there. And I want to run with people. I want to have an extended family, people believing for the things of God and watching it come to pass in our life before we hit the finish line. Amen. Some of you in here, you need, a, you need an accountability partner, workout partner, running partner. But the second type of relationship every person needs, I believe, comes when we understand that when purpose runs together, we get sharper. Any of you guys ever heard the scripture, iron sharpens iron? Yeah, we, it's, a, it's a common one. We love that one. You know, we love iron sharpens iron. Here's what I feel like I see, though, is I feel like we all believe that this applies to us because we're iron. We go, oh, well, I'm iron. I have friends in the church who are also iron. So because we hang out, we're getting sharper. But as we look at the scripture and the context of it, I don't know if that's actually the case. Proverbs 27, 17 says this. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We love the scripture, but what I feel like I see often is I see a whole lot of knives hanging out with knives, talking how awesome, or talking about how awesome knives are, but never getting sharper. I see a whole bunch of swords hanging out with swords, talking about how great swords are, but they're never getting sharper. Because did you know that a knife can't actually sharpen a knife? And a sword can't actually sharpen a sword? Now, I'm a skeptic naturally, so if somebody said that from stage, my natural inclination would be like, let me Google that real quick. I'm sure there's some way you could sharpen a knife with a knife. And so I looked it up, and uh, there's like a few DIY YouTube videos that are like, how to sharpen a knife with another knife, you know, and you look. What's actually happening, if you've ever sharpened a knife, you see the actual process it is. What's happening when you sharpen a knife with another knife is you're actually, you're making it more coarse, you're making it more brittle. It's technically sharper, but it can't last the test of time, and it's getting smaller because you're taking chunks out of it. Sometimes the friends you think are sharpening you are making you smaller because they think like you, look like you, sin like you, make excuses like you, because if they challenge you, they're challenging themselves. But we think because we're all iron, we're getting sharper. Here's the thing. If you look at, this came out of the iron age, okay? So this comes out of a time, this is an OG, like, gangster blacksmithing term, okay? Iron sharpens iron. But here's the thing. If you look at the most common way to sharpen a sword back in the day, you actually see it's a whetstone. It's not iron at all. The only iron tool that sharpens iron is a steel file. Ladies, you ever filed your fingernails, filed, filed your nails before? I guess men too. I hear men love pedicures. I don't know if they do that, you know. It's like that times 10. A steel file is aggressive, abrasive, creating sparks. And the purpose of it is to look for any imperfections on the, on the blade and smooth it out by taking chunks out of it by aggressively and abrasively causing friction and sparks to now make it sharper. If all of your friends look the same as you, think the same as you, act the same as you, you will only be as big as you. But every sword needs a steel file and every steel file needs a sword. The thing with a steel file versus a sword is they are completely opposite. They look nothing alike, they sound nothing alike, one's aggressive, one's beautiful. But the thing that I want to make sure we don't run into is every time I've heard this preach, the, the picture that I feel like is given is two beautiful, gleaming swords. 
and how we sharpen each other is we encourage each other. We pray for each other. We have powerful fellowship. And that's all great stuff. And that's what's great with a running partner. But if you want iron to be sharpened, if you want to actually be sharpened, you need a friend in your life who's a little bit aggressive, a little bit abrasive, who's looking for the imperfections in your world and calling you out on it. It's one thing to put up with the aggressive friend, though. It's another thing to invite them in. When's the last time you were challenged harshly in your life? Many of us probably in our childhood. Maybe it was by a boss. Let me ask a better question. When's the last time you invited somebody in your world to challenge you harshly when you need it? You need a steel file if you want to get sharper. And it might hurt a little bit. It might not always be the way you want it to look, but you're going to get sharper. You're going to grow. Let me tell you what a real friend sounds like. A real friend sounds like this. Hey, man, I know you've had a work party this week and a lot going on, but it, it looks like you've drank five times after work this week. Are you stressed? Hey, man, I know the kids were being crazy and there was a lot of people over, but you can't talk to your wife like that. You know what a real friend sounds like? Get behind me, Satan. This is what Jesus said to Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. But more often than not, what happens in our context is we have a friend who loves us enough to say, you sound like the devil right now. You remind me of Satan by the way you're speaking, by the way you're living, and we automatically write them off and cancel them because it's not encouraging enough and because they're weird. We go, nah, that's not really the friendship I want to have. I need someone to lift me up. But Jesus was into encouraging, but he was also into sharpening. He said, get behind me, Satan. A real friend can look at you and go, I need to tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. You're missing it, but I believe in you that much that even if you take it incorrectly, even if you get offended, he said, blessed are those who aren't offended by me. Even if you get mad at me, I love you enough to risk our friendship to have that conversation because I want you to be sharper and I want you to reach the things of God in your life. Man, you need a running partner. You need someone to run with you to encourage you to be there day in, day out. But you also need somebody to invite into your world to say, hey, will you look for where I'm missing it? I need you to challenge me. Because I want to walk in the things that God has for me. Proverbs 27 also says this. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Even if they challenge me incorrectly and they come off a little too aggressive, maybe there's a little bit of anger in there, it's still the friend I want because they love me enough to wound me, even if it's too far. But a friend just tells me what I want to hear. Or an enemy tells me what I want to hear. The third type of friend that you need comes from when you understand that when purpose runs together, we go higher. We don't, well, I didn't say we get higher, okay? We ain't getting high with our friends. So we go higher, okay? When purpose runs together, we go higher. I mean, you need a friend that not only is going to run with you side by side and a friend who's going to challenge you. And let me encourage you, you got to invite them in. But you need somebody who's going to help you go higher. What does that mean? Somebody's going to do three things for you. They're going to listen to you. They're going to pray for you. And they're going to point you back to Jesus. They're going to listen to you, pray for you, and point you back to Jesus. You need a mentor. Someone called a pastor. We use it as a title in the Christian church. But pastoring is actually a gift of the Spirit. We also are all called to pastor one another to an extent. Who's that person in your world that doesn't just give you all the answers? Because that's our natural inclination. But they listen to you, pray for you, and send you back to Jesus. 
See, what I've found is as we get that first friend in, we go, you know what, I need a friend who's going to run with me day by day. We start to see some multiplication. We get really excited. But you know what, i got to get sharp. You know, so i got to have somebody to, like, to, to give me feedback, to grow me, to sharpen me. And so we begin to take more ground, and we're feeling really good. And we get addicted to taking ground. So we go, I need more friends who are going to make me better, make me stronger. And we seek people who have all the answers to my problems. Seek people to give me the best advice. But we begin to develop what we always didn't want to have, which is this mindset that everything that God has for me, I can accomplish if I just run hard enough. But at the end, we end up feeling exhausted, alone, and settling. What I need a friend for, I need a mentor and a pastor to remind me that I can't do this all myself. Not only do I need friends, but the first person that was ever there for me was Jesus. Proverbs says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know, I, uh, if I could be vulnerable with you and share something I've been going through in my life. I just, I just had maybe the biggest God revelation I've had since I've been saved. I've been saved for uh, 12 years almost. And I kid you not, this is not an exaggeration, the biggest revelation I've ever had. And it might seem small to you, but it's massive to me. So I got invited by a buddy to go to this real estate conference, okay? And like, I want to get into real estate. I'm not fully there yet, but he called me. He said, I just, I have an extra ticket. I feel like God is saying you need to be there. And I was like, okay, well, it sounds good to me. I mean, I love free conferences. And so um, Jordan's kind of the Holy Spirit in our family though. So I had to run it by her, you know? And instantly, like not over 10 minutes, she said instantly, yeah, we got to find a way to get you there. Like we just knew like God wants me there for some reason. I thought it was to like learn real estate. And so I get there and day one is like all this real estate information, like total information overload. Like I'm just like writing pages of notes and it's great. But by the end of the day, I'm just like brain dead. Well, what's cool is the guy putting on this conference is actually a Christian. And so there was a voluntary uh, prayer meeting before the next day started. And so we show up, and there's like 200 people there, which is awesome. Love to see God moving in the workplace, you know. And there's 200 Christians there. And I'm like trying to pay attention to what the pastor's saying, but I'm just like information overload. I'm still tired in the morning. Like I'm not even really a Christian till 10 a.m. I'm, I'm not a morning person, you know. So I'm like doing my best. You ever been there on a Sunday where you're just, I'm trying to listen, but like just distractions and everything's going on. But this pastor says this thing that cut through all the noise in my world, and I promise you it answered 10 years worth of questions in my life. It might seem small to you. It's massive for me. He says, you can't have intimacy with someone you fear. And I was reminded of a conversation I had with my mentor, my pastor. He lives across the country. I called him a little over a year ago. I said, hey, man, I've got this baby on the way. And it's, like, really weird, but now that I'm a father... Like, I just, I love him so much, and I'm so proud of him. And he's, he's still in the womb. Like, he's done nothing to make me proud of him. He's really done nothing at all. But I'm just so proud of him, and I love him. And this is a new love that I've never experienced. But if God is my father, I don't know if I feel like I have the relationship with him as a son. You know, like, this is, like, all new to me. Like, I've never experienced a love like this, but I'm thinking of my son and just, like, I love him so much. Can God really love me like that? So I said, I don't really know what to do with this man. Like, I, I believe that there's a deeper connection I can have with God if he's my father. So we talked about it. He prayed over me. And it's just kind of been in the same place for a year. I'm like, I love my relationship with God, but I feel like there's more. And he says, without intimacy, or you can't have intimacy with someone you fear, it answers 10 years worth of questions. It's like a light bulb moment where I go, oh my gosh, I'm afraid of God. 
there's a little bit of me that believes that God has judged me harshly. That God does not love me as a father, that I'm more of an employee to him. Things that I know are wrong when I read the Bible. But deep down I have these beliefs. And so I'm not, this is not my personal counseling session. Although if you want to do that later, we could do that. You know, I'll share everything that's going on. But this is why I'm so thankful for this. Because I call him to share. I go, hey, I just had this massive God revelation. You remember that conversation we had over a year ago? And he's like, yeah, a little bit. I recapped him, told him what just happened. He goes, wow, that's amazing. Here's what you need to do. You need to get alone with God. You need to sit there and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal why you're afraid of God. And reveal the lies that you've believed that would tell you God is to be feared by you. Then you need to sit there and you need to ask God to reveal to you scriptures that come against that. Don't Google it. Don't just have somebody else answer. But you need to sit there and let God speak to you about these. And then, once you start working on that, give me a call. We'll go through it together. I remember walking away from that conversation. Well, this is a friend everyone needs. Because I wanted him to give me advice. I wanted him to give me answers. I wanted him to give me six Bible verses on why not to fear God. But he told me I needed to get alone with God and I need to pray and I need to begin to conquer. And so I began to do the work. And I showed up at men's conference last week. And I'm sitting there in a worship session getting wrecked by God. I am bawling, uncontrollably sobbing. I haven't cried like this since before I can remember. I'm sobbing. I'm having this intimate moment with God. It's a father and a son connecting. And I'm a wreck. And I'm like looking for Pastor Eli because I have to go on stage. But I'm like, I can't even get a word out. I'm crying so hard. And in that moment, I was so thankful for that friend of mine. Because if he had given me all the answers I wanted, given me everything I needed, I wouldn't have experienced a moment of breakthrough with God. Why don't we stand to our feet in this place? Some of us in here, we've been feeling exhausted, more alone than what we should when we look at the people around us. And we feel like we've been settling and that we're in this constant cycle of those things. But I want to remind you today that a hand is no good without the arm. A foot is no good without the leg. That maybe it's not that you don't care enough. You care. You're here. You set your alarm and you made it here. But it's simply because you're out of design. I believe that in relationship is where you're going to see the most breakthrough in your life. Where you're going to start to take ground. Because God is always reminding us that you're not enough by yourself. First you need me, but you need other people. And that's the way I've designed the church. That's the way I've designed this house. So if that's you, this week, start looking around and going, who's running my race with me till I die? Day in and day out. Man, we're coming to each other with transparency and we're holding each other accountable. But who's my steel file? Who am I inviting into my world to call me out on my stuff when I need to hear it most? Have that conversation this week and watch what God begins to do. And who's that pastor, that mentor that you can sit down with? And it doesn't have to be every day with them. That's what you're running partners for. It doesn't have to be once a month. It could be once a year, but that person who loves you, cares about you, that's going to listen to you, pray for you, point you back to God. And here's what I believe, my cities. As we lean into this, and we go, God, if you have more for me in these relationships, then I want it. If that's the design, then Lord, I desire it. And as you begin to have these conversations and seek out those friends and try to be those friends, what I believe is this week, you're going to start to take ground in a way you never thought you could, through brotherhood, through sisterhood, and through multiplication, because as, as purpose runs together, God is able to multiply things in your world. Amen.
Amen, amen. Hey, let me pray for you and we'll, we'll worship. Lord, we thank you so much for every person who's here. We thank you, God, that you designed us not to be alone, but you designed us to have an extended family, Lord. You designed us to have relationships that grow us, that shape us, that stick near to us when we need it most, Lord. So we ask, Lord, that you would reveal to us those friendships that we need in our life, that we'd be able to operate in the things of the Lord. Lord, we pray, to God, that you would show us today as we leave conversations we need to have, people we need to invite into our world, Lord. And we pray that through a humble spirit, saying, I can't do this on my own, as we reach out to other people, Lord, we pray that in this house, iron would sharpen iron, that people would get sharper, that we would go further faster, that we would watch the calling of God go from heaven down to earth in this house and in our lives because we understood that your design was never for us to be alone, but was for us to do it together. Lord, we love you. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.